0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. This is from a book by uh, Ken Davis. A woman happened to be looking out the window of her home one day. She was horrified to see that her German shepherd was dragging the life, shaking the life out of her neighbor's pet rabbit. Her family had been quarreling with these neighbors, and this was certainly going to make matters worse. So she grabbed the broom, ran outside, pummeled the pooch until he dropped the rabbit, now covered with dog spit and extremely dead. After a moment's consideration, the woman lifted up the rabbit with the end of her broom, brought it into the house. She dumped the lifeless body into the bathtub and turned on the shower. When the water running off the rabbit was clean, she rolled him over and rinsed the other side. Now she had a plan. She found her hair dryer and blew the rabbit dry. Using an old comb, she groomed the rabbit until he looked pretty good. Then when the neighbor wasn't looking, she hopped over the fence, snuck across the backyard, propped him up in his cage. No way she was going to take the blame for this thing. About an hour later, she heard screams coming from the neighbor's yard. She ran outside pretending she didn't know what was going on. What happened? She asked innocently. Her neighbor came running to the fence. All the blood drained from her face. Our rabbit, our rabbit, she blubbered. He died two weeks ago when we buried him. And now he's back. (laughs) What manner of rabbit is this? (laughs) The message of Easter is life. The message of Easter is all about life. Not a rinsed off, blow dried, fluffed up on the outside, but dying on the inside kind of existence. But life. Real life as God designed it. The life that you were always intended to live. And Jesus' resurrection is not some dead rabbit story. It's the defining mark of our faith. It's not just an event that we celebrate once a year. It's the very heartbeat of our life. And that's why the New Testament writers staked everything on it. It's why those first century believers put all of their hopes in that one basket. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Or as I heard recently, a college student's interpretation of that, If Christ has not been raised, then we are hosed. <laughs> he says, that's what it's all about that's what it all comes down to it is what Christ has done not only in his death on the cross which we which, which commemorate but his life his resurrected life he said that's what it's all about it's what he came to bring us he came to lead us to life and all of his resurrection appearances on that first Easter Sunday were all about letting his followers know it's for real that life that we've been talking about, that life that I've taught you about, that life that I have shown you and lived among you, is for you. And all of his resurrection appearances tell us a little bit more about what that life was all all about. There's one appearance, it's actually only recorded in Luke's gospel. He's the only one that tells this part of the story. But he tells a story about two of the followers who have now left Jerusalem on Easter Sunday they're now on their way back to their hometown in Emmaus. And as Luke tells the story, Luke 24, 13, he says, Now at that that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. but They were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas said, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find the body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It's true, the Lord has risen, and he appeared to Simon. And the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's true, they said. We've seen him. He appeared not only to them; he appeared to us. It was the fulfillment of all that Jesus had promised. He had talked to them about life. A life that was available to them here and now. And the way that he expressed that when he appeared to them again was emphasizing that whole thing. That this life that Jesus had offered to us, offered to them, the life that Jesus offers to us, begins here and now. And we have always gotten ourselves into trouble when we have disconnected spirituality from every other aspect of our lives. We always get ourselves into difficulty when we remove faith and confine it to one hour on a Sunday morning or to a certain day of the week and we don't see that it was meant to be life Every day of the week. It's interesting that Jesus shows up in the ordinary experiences of life. There happened to be walking back home. That same day, it says, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus showed up. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. It's interesting that a ministry that Jesus began three years previously by asking people to come and walk with him now kind of comes full circle. And he shows up to walk with them. Three years ago, he had called the people, come follow me, come walk my path, come walk along with me and discover this life that I have for you. And now three years later, when they've all given up hope, there he is walking with them. He shows up in the ordinary, everyday experiences of life. For three years, they had walked with him. For three years, they had listened to him talk about this kingdom. For three years, they had listened to him share what this life was about. For three years, they saw him bring glimpses of that new life by performing miracles and healing people. And now they're walking alone. For those three years, Jesus had been teaching and modeling life. Life in the kingdom. Life as God intended it. In fact, he said, I must preach this good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. And throughout the gospel accounts, you find him over and over and over again saying things like, The kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has been given to you. The kingdom of God is within you. For three years, he had been telling them, The kingdom is God. of God is not confined to when you're sitting on the mount listening to my preaching. The kingdom of God is not confined to those moments when I break through and raise someone from the dead or give sight to the blind. The kingdom of God is for you each and every day of your life. And that was something that none of them expected. They are on this journey, but they're going down the wrong road. And it's because they didn't expect that what he was talking about was here and now. No one expected the resurrection. Even though he had talked about it, no one, none of his followers believed it. None of them expected it. Oh yeah, they believed in the resurrection, they just didn't think it was for here and now. Do you remember when Martha stood with Jesus at the grave of her brother Lazarus? And Jesus said, Lazarus will live again. What was Martha's response? Well, yeah, Lord, I know he will in the last day. That was their expectation of resurrection. It's something down the road in the future sometime when I die. That's when I'll experience it. And Jesus shows up in the everyday life and he's saying, no, it's here and now. That's why they're so amazed. That's why it catches them by surprise. Because they didn't expect it to be here and now. They said to them, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They're shocked at it. They don't expect it. It catches them by surprise. And for the last 2,000 years, people have been trying to make sense out of that whole thing. And all kinds of conspiracy theories have been postulated. There's a swoon theory. that Well, he didn't really die. He just fainted. And then when they put him in the tomb, and those herbs and those spices, that brought him back to life. Of course, that doesn't explain how this nearly dead person rolled the stone away to get out of the place, okay? There's also the 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 wrong tomb theory. This theory goes that uh, they went to the tomb, sure, but they went to the wrong tomb. That's why they didn't see the body. Now, that might hold some water if it was men. See? But it was women who went to the tomb. And women would ask... Women would ask, are we in the right place? Did we get the? did we take a wrong turn somewhere? You know? Yeah, men, oh, this is the wrong place. This is it. No, he's not here. Women, (laughs) they would ask. They're all caught by surprise. Because what they don't expect, even though they might believe in the resurrection, even though they might believe in this life that Jesus has for them, they don't expect it to be for the here and now. It's for some time other than now. And they'd just simply given up too soon. You ever wonder? I, I mean, I read this story, if they had heard these reports, if they had heard these women came back and they hadn't found the body, and, and others had gone there and still they couldn't find the body, why didn't they hang around? I mean, wouldn't you be curious enough to kind of hang around for a day or two and see what happens? But they don't. And I think that is so typical of human nature. Oh, I'm interested in God. But I got other stuff to do. <laughs> Holiday's over. The Sabbath is over. I gotta be to work tomorrow morning. I gotta get back home. Maybe that describes you this morning. You started down this path once upon a time. You've walked that path with Jesus, you've walked in his footsteps, you've listened to his words, you believe you you've heard it and it makes sense to you, but but life has just kind of gotten in the way. I'm too busy for that right now. Someday when things settle down. But right now, I just there's too so much on my plate. I don't have time for that. I got other things I gotta do, places I gotta go, people I gotta see. And we just get so busy with life that even though we're curious and even though we're interested, and even though we really think we want to find out more, there's just other stuff that calls for our attention. And maybe that describes you this morning. Jesus said, No. It's not to be put off, it's not something for just one day a week, it's living in relationship with me each and every day. This resurrection life is for the here and the now. And with that, it also brings then meaning to our everyday experiences. There is something about living in relationship with Jesus Christ that brings all kinds of meaning and understanding and purpose to the stuff that we go through on a daily basis. Do you know that God cares about your everyday life? God cares about your experiences. When Jesus shows up and He walks with them, what is the first thing He says? He asks them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? He wants them to tell their story. What's going on? What's happened? Now, he knows what's happened. He knows better than anybody else what's happened. But he invites them to tell their story. And that is so typical of Jesus' ministry. He always went out of his way for people that nobody else cared about. He always showed up interest in people that nobody paid much attention to. Here are two followers who have left all of the others and gone back home. And Jesus is the one that goes out of his way to find him. And he asks him, what's going on? Tell me your story. And I think more than he needed to hear it, they needed to tell it. Because very often our life experiences are things we've got to talk about. And we're looking for someone who will listen and make sense out of all of it. Because most of life experiences leave us more with questions than answers. Have you noticed that? You go through an experience and you go, why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. I got all kinds of questions about this. A few years ago, Stuart Hempel and Eric Marshall put together a a book called Children's Letters Letters to God. Just letters that kids have written, uh, writing to God. And and listen to some of these things that the kids ask, some of the things the kids say, because you'll find it's not all that different than maybe some of your questions. Joyce writes, Dear God, Thank you for the baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Thanks for answering my prayer. It just wasn't what I wanted. Dear God, how come you did all those miracles in the old days and don't do any now? Janet writes, Dear God, I wish you would not make it so easy for people to come apart. I had three stitches and a shot. Larry writes, Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel wouldn't kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with me and my brother. (laughs) I like this one. Dear God, it rained for our whole vacation and is my father mad? He said some things about you that people are not supposed to say. I hope you will not hurt him anyway. Your friend, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. (laughs) Just in case, don't want you to know. (laughs) Danny writes, Dear God, my brother is a rat. You should give him a tail. Ha ha. (laughs) Eugene, Dear God, I didn't think orange went with purple till I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday. That was cool. (laughs) Dear God, here's a poem. I love you because you give us what we need to live. But I wish you would tell me why you made it so we have to die. And Frank, dear God, I'm doing the best I can. Sound familiar? Experiences of life. Dear God, why did you make it so easy for people to fall apart? Dear God, I prayed for this and and what I got was that. Dear God, why is it that we fight so much? Would it help if we had separate rooms? <laughs> Dear God, I'm trying the best I can. See, most of our life experiences all hold in common the life experiences of everyone else. I look around this room and I know story after story, I just parts of it. But I look around and there's a story here and a story there. story of a broken marriage. A story of a marriage mended and restored. A story of hurt. A story of recovery. A story of addiction. A story of freedom. See, your story is not all that unlike anybody else's. Details are different. Not all the things work out the same for every person. But by and large, around this room, Each of our stories has this one thing in common, that we all know that life is full of brokenness and hurt and disappointment, and we go through those experiences and we say, why? Why does this happen? Our story is the story of the human existence. It's the story of the ravages of sin, because you see, in my selfishness, I might put somebody else down and cause a hurt in my pride I might fight over a parking spot and cause anger and you know what, I'm not the only one there's a room full of us and we all contribute to this sin thing and we don't understand it and we don't know why but every time we do, it hurts somebody else it affects somebody else and so we live in a world where hurt and hate and anger and frustration happens every day of the week why? And Jesus sits down with him and he says, because the story of your life is the same as the story of everybody's life. It is the story of human history. It is the story of rebellion and selfishness and pride. Busyness. Every one of us have experienced it. But he says there's another story coming too. They said we had hoped that he was the one and then it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all that was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Yeah, I know your story. He says, You need to know there's another story being told. Story that you don't see very often. Story that happens behind the scenes. It's a story of God's redemption. And you remember the story of Moses and the nation of Israel who was held in slavery in Egypt. And they were freed from that bondage and they walked on dry land across the river and and into the land of promise. You remember that story? I was there. That was me. And you remember when they were walking through the wilderness and they were dying of thirst and they had no water to drink and Moses struck the rock and the water gushed out. That was me. I was there. And when the prophet spoke about obedience and following my ways, and you wouldn't listen, and you did it your own way, and you suffered the consequences of it, and I still brought you back, that was me. And the hurt and the frustration and the disappointment and doubt of your life right here and right now is being redeemed. And it's me. That's why Paul wrote, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to His purposes. God has meaning. God has purposes, even in the most difficult stuff of life. He works behind the scenes in ways we do not see and do not understand. And very often it is only in our brokenness that we stop long enough to pay attention to the things that He's been trying to tell us all along. And so He opens up the Scripture. And He says, let me tell you another story. I have been working at redeeming this world since its creation. Since the fall, since that first brother killed another brother in jealousy, I have been working to make it right. And now, this resurrection is what it was all about. Maybe you're at a point this morning, where life's a little confusing right now. A lot of things you don't understand. Circumstances, difficulties, something you're going through right now and you're wondering, is there any purpose to any of this? God is working. That's what the resurrection is all about. He is still working miracles. The life that He offers to us is for the here and now. It touches every experience of our life, both the good and the bad. Because the life that He offers to us is a life that is filled with grace. And that's the bottom line. See, the good news that Paul continued to write about to the first Corinthian church when he said, if he's not raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is futile. He goes on and he says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of all who will rise. In other words, we are not hosed. (laughs) Maybe we should change the liturgy. He is not hosed. He is not hosed indeed. We are not hosed indeed. You know that? We could try that. That's the message of the resurrection. We have a fresh start. That God has done something for us, what we could not do for ourselves. He paid in full the price that needed to be paid. And He turns around and He gives us this life back as a gift. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth and a hope that is alive. It is alive because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's the good news of Easter. That's the resurrection message. See, the thing about resurrection is, it's not something you can do for yourself. To be resurrected, you need somebody else to do it for you. Because you have no resources left. You are dead. You are gone. You have no strength left whatsoever to pick yourself back up. Resurrection is something that is done for you. And that's what Jesus did. He has resurrected us to a new life. And the focal point of this new life and the focal point of our hope is all in Jesus. That's what His message was all about. He taught about life. His miracles gave us glimpses of this life. And His burial and death and resurrection made it available to you and me. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it until they sat it with Him at a meal. And it says that when they were at the table with Him, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened And they recognized him. What happened? What he did was he recreated the last meal he had spent with his followers. When he had taken bread and broke it and he said, This bread is my body, broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is given for you. See, that's the message. I have done this for you. This is my brokenness for you. This is my shed blood for you. And he sits there with them at the meal, and he takes bread, and he breaks it, and he blesses it, and he gives it back to them. He says, for you. And it dawns on him what this has all been about. It's all been about grace. It's all been about God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's what this life is all about. Learning to trust Him for those things that are beyond our abilities. Learning to live in relationship with Him and see every day as a gift from Him. Every day to be lived in communion with Him. And the way that that happens for each and every one of us is we give Him our lives, broken as they might be, and He speaks His blessing over it. And He forgives and He restores. And then He gives it back to us. Not the same. It's different now. That's the promise of resurrection. It's a life here and now that makes sense out of our experiences even when they don't make sense because it is all couched in His grace. Maybe their experience describes you this morning. Been walking down some wrong paths. Got a little distracted. Took a little detour been out there wandering around on your own. All along, He's been speaking to you. You notice what they said afterwards when they recognized Him? They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us when we talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? Didn't it burn within us? God has been walking with you all of your life, whether you've noticed Him or not, whether you've seen Him or not, whether you've recognized Him or not. He has been walking alongside of you all of your life, and He has been speaking to you and whispering to your heart. And there have been times... There have been times when it's like a burning in your heart and you know he's telling you about something that you're missing. He's been saying there's a life for you. A life fuller than what you're experiencing right now. A life of forgiveness, restoration, purpose and meaning and grace. And it burns in you because you know it's the thing that you want more than anything else in this world, but you haven't listened long enough to find out what it's about. And when they recognized it and they looked back, he said, he'd been with us all along. (laughs) How about that? Eugene Peterson wrote a book entitled Living the Resurrection. He writes, Jesus' resurrection took place on earth. His first witnesses and participants in Jesus' resurrection obviously were not in heaven. They were walking the same old roads over the same old ground they had grown up on and walked on and worked on with the same old people they had grown up with. But now it was becoming clear to them. The resurrection had to do with them and the ongoing circumstances of their lives. My feeling is that they may have, this may have been more difficult for them to wrap their minds around than Jesus' resurrection itself. Jesus was radically reconfigured and redefined by the resurrection. And now they were being just as radically reconfigured and redefined by resurrection. Jesus was special, of course, But the disciples' familiar concept of resurrection as life after death was being totally recast as life in the land of the living. This is a radical thing. It is as radical for you and for me as it was for them. Would you bow your heads with me? God has been walking with you every step of your life through the twists and the turns over the smooth road and over the rocky road through all of the detours and all the wrong turns you may have taken he has been walking there all along and times you've noticed him times you've heard him speaking to your heart maybe it's been well someday Lord Someday I'm going to sit down and figure out this God thing. Someday I'm going to take the time to try to understand. Someday I'm going to make a decision. But not right now. I've got other stuff going on. This morning, he's speaking to you. He's saying, I've got a life for you. A life that you were intended to live my resurrection that made it all possible I've already done all that needs to be done for you but what you gotta do is you gotta trust me you gotta give up that old sin life you gotta recognize the destruction it's doing not only to your own soul but the effect it's having around the pe- on the people around you it's time to say yes in a moment we're gonna close in prayer Everybody's got their eyes closed. Everybody's got their head bowed. So nobody's looking around. But if you are at a point this morning, where it's like God's been speaking to your heart and there's this burning there. And he's saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to live this life I have for you. And this morning, you're ready to make a decision about that and say, I don't know where it's all going to lead. and I don't understand it all. But today, I want to get started. And my response is, Lord, forgive me. For my rebellion and my own way of doing things I want to say yes to you If that describes you this morning And you want to take that very first step of faith Would you look up and catch my eye Keep looking until I see you There's a lot of people in this room So I want to take time But if that describes you And you want to take that step of faith today All right Make this your prayer as we close. Lord, I've been missing something. I've seen glimpses of it here and there, but I've I've been missing the life that you have for me. And I understand now the thing that's getting in the way is my own sin, it's my own shortcomings, my own failures, my own mistakes. And I got plenty of them. You know them better than I do. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, change my life. Take what I offer to you with all of its brokenness and speak your words of blessing over it. Speak your words of forgiveness, and restoration, redemption. Make me real. Make me live. I'm putting my life in your hands. This morning I wanted to follow you. I want to follow you with my whole heart. I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I do know one thing. I want to follow you. So give me that life that you have promised. And live in me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.